humor me for a little bit, fill in this blank, it's the most blank time of year. What would you say? Wonderful. That's the song lyric, right? Amy Williams, or, or no, is it? I can't think of his name. Well, whatever his name is, I looked it up the other day. Do you believe that? Do you actually believe that? Does that song lyric, it's the most, I won't even sing it. Does that actually line up with your life experience for this time of year? Or would it look more like this? If there were some honest lyrics here, would it be more like it's the most stressful time of year? It's the most chaotic time, right? Would that one be better? Is it, it's the most hectic time of year? Probably not the right syllables, but it doesn't have the right ring to it. But yet I believe it's a little bit more honest, if we're being honest. I bet that if I could steal your planners, your itineraries, if I could hack into your Google calendars, I would probably see from Thanksgiving, or at least now, all the way to Christmas. Probably more stuff jam-packed into these days than any other time of the year that you have. I bet I would see traveling. I bet I would see shopping. I bet I would see all of these things that cause us to run and rush about and stress and cause so much pressure. it's, It's loaded, isn't it? Think about just the lists the different lists that we're approached with at this time of year. You've got the wish list, the wish list that you got from your kids or you're still trying to get from your kids or that son or daughter or that <clears throat> son who's lazy and hasn't gotten it done and still waiting to give it to mom and dad because maybe I'm a little indecisive. And yeah, so whatever service you're watching, mom, um, there, there it is for you, right? Or maybe you have lists, but then you're trying to coordinate all the gifts getting with all the other people. Well, I got so-and-so this one. Well, I got him this gift. Well, I got her this gift. Well, I already got that gift, and now someone's got to take it back. And It's frustrating, right? And then there's a to-do list. You know, the tree that's out there that needs to go in here, that needs to get set up and strung up and sprung up. And then the lights that are in here that they need to go out there and get set up and strung up and all lit up and all the decorating in between, right? Don't forget the guest list. The who's coming when, who's going here, who's going there, how are they getting there, the stress of, wait a second, they didn't tell me that they were coming and they didn't tell me they're bringing someone else, the panic of, do I have enough food? Do I have enough places to stay? Do I have enough bed? All of that stuff. And then the wonder of, if this is what Thanksgiving was like, how will COVID affect Christmas plans and who's going to and what? And I got a plan, but can I plan? And you got the shopping, right? The Amazon Prime shopping, where maybe this time of year they make just a, a regular daily visit to your house. Someone told me uh, in the last service, actually tr- weekly, daily, try twice a day <laughs> that they made a stop at their house. Crazy. I don't think that was her fault. Or then you got, maybe you're not an Amazon Prime shopper, maybe what you are is a fight the department store crowds, fight the mall traffic holiday kind of shopper that you got to fight through. And by the way, I haven't even started to mention the parties. You love the Christmas parties, right? There's the school party, and then the office staff party, and then the family Christmas party, and then your friends have a Christmas party, and then, oh, then there's the in-law family Christmas party, and it's so great. And it just takes up so much time. And then you got to get all this stuff. And then someone has the bright idea to say, hey, let's do a white elephant gift exchange. And you're like, hey, great. 
because I need one more gift to get. And then someone says, hey, you know what? Let's do an ugly sweater theme. And you're like, oh, fantastic. I just, because I don't have an ugly sweater. Now I've got such a short window to get an ugly sweater and make sure it fits. And we are running. We are rushing around. We're acting like crazy people. And I wonder if God, your heavenly father, could talk to us at this time of year, if he wouldn't say something like, hey, you know, we call it Christmas so you can focus on Christ, right? I wonder if that message wouldn't hit some of us, all of us, like a ton of bricks. Duh. That's right, God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The reason why we get all the gifts isn't to spoil our kids, but it's to serve as a reminder of the gift that's been given to us this Christmas. And the reason why we have all the parties and the celebrations and the festivities and the joy is because it's like to slingshot our hearts back to the joy and the celebration of that Christ child when the shepherds showed up and they said, this is great, and they went away rejoicing. It was everything that the angels told us, and they're so excited. Isn't it ironic that the time of year when we should be at most peace is the time of year when we're stressed out and feeling the most pressure. Sometimes the traditions get time-consuming and the details get so distracting that we miss the whole reason for the season. And so what if this Christmas was different? What if this Christmas we actually recalibrated and refocused our hearts, beginning now, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, all the way up to Christmas, so that we, we could stay laser-focused and locked in to Christ this Christmas? And the good news is, is that God sent you and me and the entire world help to do that in the form of a hype man. And I'm wondering if you know what a hype man is. Uh, if you know the word hype, I'm pretty sure you're probably familiar with that. My third grade definition of hype is to get really, 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 really excited for something. That's, that's hype. And that's the hype man's job. See, they found out that whenever a singer, whenever a performer would take the stage, what would happen sometimes, you had this crowd and it took them a little bit to get into it or they seemed to miss a little bit, even if it was just the, the first little bit that the performer did. Oh, they weren't ready, their energy level was down here and suddenly, boom, this guy comes out and we got a little catch. So they invented the hype man. And the hype man, his job was to come out before the main performer, before the main singer, whatever it is, take the stage and to get the crowd hyped up, to get them jacked up and pumped up so that their energy level would go from here to 11. They weren't the main event. They weren't the main star of the show. They were getting ready for the main star so that as soon as the hype man, he paved the way for the main event, he smoothed out all the obstacles of the audience so when the star took the stage, every eye was glued, every ear was totally tuned into what this person would say or sing or perform. And that's like John the Baptist. The hype man for Jesus Christ. Now we're going to see over the next several weeks how he came 
and was not the main attraction, but instead gathered crowds, gathered attention for the main attraction, Jesus Christ, preparing them. So when Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ took the stage, nobody would miss out on a thing. And so for the next four or five weeks, all the way through December, 26 days until Christmas, if my math is correct, we're going to be looking at the life and times of John the Baptist. We're going to see how he prepared the people, the things that he did, the message that he said, the bold words that he spoke, that prepared and paved the way for Jesus to come on the scene and take center stage so that people wouldn't miss out on him, so that you and I wouldn't miss out on him either. And so in order to do that, if we're going to be following the life and times of John the Baptist, then I think it's a good place to start at the beginning, where John's birth is foretold to his father, Zechariah. We're going to pick things up at verse 5. Luke tells us, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Now you notice when you read Luke's gospel, he's very detailed. Like he says, here's Zechariah and here's where he's from and, and here's Elizabeth and here's where she's from and here's John the Baptist and here's when he lived. And he, and he does that because he wants you to know and he wants you to understand that this is not, John the Baptist is not just some made-up Christmas story fictional character, but he's a real historical figure who lived in a real time in history, particularly in the time of King Herod. And if you're familiar with your Christmas stories, this is the same King Herod who was around when Jesus himself was born. And this is the same King Herod who was made famous for trying to murder baby Jesus. Do you remember that story? And this is also the same King Herod who's historically famous for all of these building projects that he commissioned during his reign. If you go to Israel today, there's still a number of his buildings, at least remnants of them that are left over. But one of the most famous projects that he did was the renovation of the temple in Jerusalem. He gutted that thing. He made it nice. He renovated the whole thing for his people. And inside that temple was one room called the Most Holy Place. And if you remember, if you know your Bible history, that most holy place was a place where it was designated that that is the dwelling of God himself. This is where God lives. This is where he is present, the awesome, holy, divine, majestic, sinless, perfect God is. But because he's awesome, holy, divine, majestic, sinless, and perfect, and we're not, nobody could go in there. In fact, there was this giant curtain that separated that room from the rest of the temple, and so on the outside of that curtain was a little altar called the Altar of Incense. And every day, a priest would walk into that temple, go over to that altar, and burn incense. They would take some incense, put some burning coals on it, and that incense would burn, and you'd see this faint white smoke rising up in the backdrop of the curtain, symbolizing 
That even though God is perfect, righteous, holy, just, blameless, all of those things, even though he's those things, when you pray to God, your prayers rise up like the smoke to the heavens, to that God, and they smell sweet, beautiful, and aromatic to a holy, perfect God. And today was the day that Zechariah was on duty. And Luke tells us he is married to a wife named Elizabeth. And he says Zechariah and Elizabeth were all about God. Luke says they were righteous, they were godly, they loved God, they followed his ways, they, they appreciated it. He was the main thing of their lives. They were blameless, Luke says, but they were also childless. And you know the baggage that follows that adjective especially if you yourself have struggled or, or you know people who have struggled with that. And it makes you wonder how many prayers Zechariah and Elizabeth threw up to God. God, could we have a son? God, this year, could we have a child? Okay, God, what about, what about now? And we could speculate as to where their hearts would be because at this point in time, Luke tells us that uh, they were very old, past the age of childbearing. We could speculate that maybe their hearts were wondering, did God hear us? Did God care? We're not told where their hearts are, but one thing that we can know with absolute certainty is that God was about to answer their prayer in the most miraculous way. Luke picks it up at verse 11, where he says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And I gotta be honest, I wish I was there, right? To be able to see that inside view of what that was like. Like, he's burning some incense and then suddenly, poof, there's an angel. <laughs> Which is crazy in and of itself because it's been 400 years since God has spoken to his people and there's an angel and an angel then starts speaking and he starts saying, hey, Zach, you remember those prayers you and your wife prayed? You wanted a child, and you wanted a child, and you wanted a child. Well, guess what? Today's your lucky day. Today's the day where we see that God's timing is perfect and awesome and right all the time, that his plans are crazier than we could even think of, but they're always right, and you are going to get a child. But 
Zach, not just any child, you're going to get a son, but it gets better, not just any son, but this is going to be the son who is going to be the hype man for the son of God. And the angel explained that. He's not just going to be a joy to you, he's going to be a joy for so many people, he's going to bring so many people back, he's going to prepare their hearts. He quotes from that other section that we heard earlier from Malachi, right? He says, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. In other words, Elijah, the prophet, you remember him? He's going to be like him. Powerful, bold in his speaking, just like Elijah turned people back to the Lord. That's going to be this guy, John's job. He's going to make a message of repentance He's going to take people and he's going to prepare their hearts for the Lord. He's going to go to proud hearts of fathers and moms and, and to turn them back, make them low so that they're ready like, to have a childlike faith to receive the Lord. And he's going to go to the hearts of like, people who, who are like disobedient children and he's going to make them obedient. He's going to cause people to, to have such a preparation. They're, he's going to prepare so many people because the Messiah is coming and he's going to get them so ready that when the Messiah comes, they won't miss it. And as the angel talks about how his job is to prepare a people for the Lord, my question for you is, are you prepared? Are you, are you ready for the Lord this Christmas season? You know, as the Time after Thanksgiving is the time when we pivot from turkey traditions to traditions about Christmas and everything. As we begin this season, are you so jacked up, so pumped up for Emmanuel? God with us? That you listen to the lyrics of those songs, Joy to the World, and you actually think about them and say, yeah, because Christ, right? Ransom captive Israel, that's what he came to do. To be our substitute, to, to buy us back, that's why he came. Are you so ready for the peace that this season brings? Or are you already distracted by the details that need to get done? Or in a couple days, or the next week, when you wake up, will you be thinking more about oh, the pressure of all the things that need to happen and go perfect to get peace in this time? Rather than the thing that's already happened and the promise that's already given to you that gives you peace. Now, I don't want to be a Scrooge here. I don't want to say, tear down the decorations and get rid of it all. I love the decorations as much as the next person. I love the Christmas carols as much as the next person. But if we get caught up in the, oh, it's the holly, it's the jolly, it's the magic, it's the hallmark, it's the family that makes this time so great. If we're focused so much on the temporary, understand, there's no guarantee. And the peace and the joy you'll get is so small compared to what's there for you now. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I hope that you are able to give everybody the, the perfect gifts for this Christmas. But there's no guarantee that when that person, when that child opens their gift, that they're not just going to kind of roll their eyes and say, hmm, thank you. Uh, 
Are there other gifts for me waiting? I hope that you are able to celebrate your Christmas with family, with friends, but let's face it, with so many things like weather that are outside your control, and let's add in the year of 2020 and the pandemic and the restrictions that's come up, there's no guarantee of that family time and it's going to happen. And if you're locked in on that to have peace, maybe you need to rethink. I hope you don't have to work. I hope your boss doesn't call you in, but there's no guarantee that something urgent or important or emergency will come up where your boss has to say, hey, you gotta work Christmas, you gotta work Christmas Day, I need you in. I hope things go perfect. But understand, if your peace for this time of year, if your joy for this time of year is wrapped up in those temporary things that have to go perfect, understand, at best, you'll have a temporary joy. At worst, you'll completely miss out on the peace that Christ came to give you. But, what if we made Christmas different? What if, over the next weeks, we actually paid attention to John the Baptist as he calls us, calls us out on our sins, calls us to point and look at Christ? And what if we focused on him instead of all the other trimmings and stuff? What if through all the white noise, we saw Christ at the center of all of it. What if, what if we saw that Christ came at this time to give you peace? Not to add more stuff to your plate, not to say perform and prove yourself and be ready for God, but instead, no, no, no. I, God, came to you. God in the flesh for you. Not to add, but subtract and remove from your plate. What kind of stuff? Your sins and your shame and your baggage. To tear down that curtain that is in front of that most holy place so you can have access to God. So you can have peace on earth, goodwill to men so that you can have the forgiveness of sins. That's why he came. That's the gift that's been given to you this Christmas season. I guess the question is, how are we going to stay prepared for it? How are we going to stay focused on it? How, how are we going to filter out all of the stuff and stay locked in on that? And I say there's any number of suggestions that you could have, but maybe for starters, one of the things is you do a little less this year. I was talking this week after Thanksgiving uh, with someone here about their Chris, or excuse me, their Thanksgiving and how things went with the pandemic and the restrictions, and we all knew Thanksgiving was going to be totally different this year, and we started talking about how our Thanksgivings were different, and then we said, yeah, it makes you wonder what Christmas is going to be like. And we started to think about how different things will likely be and how much less we'll probably get to do. We both had this, like, Holy Spirit light bulb moment. <laughs> and we both kind of looked at each other and said, is that such a bad thing? 
that will have less, that will do less, that will have less running around and less craziness? Is that so bad? Because we can't do the same things as we did last year and the year before that and the year before that and expect different results. Maybe less is more. Maybe having fewer parties and fewer trimmings and fewer running around and fewer all of that stuff, maybe, maybe that gives us more Christ and more time to focus on him. Maybe, maybe, maybe for some of you, uh, the key, the suggestion is to just every day stay focused on the reason for the season, on Christ, the word. Uh, after our first service, one of the ladies mentioned, hey, you remember that women's ministry announcement that you made? The women's Facebook page? We're going to be putting out devotions every day until Christmas. What if you mentioned that in your sermon? And I said, that's a great idea. So here's, a, <laughs> here's an audible. I'm throwing that out there. What if you pulled that up every day? Every morning before you look at your calendar, before you look at your schedule, before you think of all the lists, what if instead you started out with God's word? Or maybe you pulled up the YouVersion Bible app. Some of you have heard me, many of you have heard me talk about on your smartphone. If you're interested in that, go ahead and talk to me after the service. Not only gives you a Bible, but it gives you like tons, literally hundreds, thousands of devotional plans that you can have. What if you found one from here to the next 26 day for Christmas so that every morning before all the noise and the rings and the pings and the dings and all the notifications, what if instead you were able to say, nope, I'm going to start with God's word. That's how I'm going to keep Christ in front of me throughout this time. Maybe another suggestion for some of you would be the power of prayer. When the meal isn't quite going right, and when the guests aren't coming quite right, and when the family conversation is getting too political, and when the frustrations are mounting and you don't have the right gift, when all that stuff starts to boil up, what if? What if you pulled the car over, parked it, closed the door to your room, found some secluded place, and just prayed? Say, God, um, I'm not feeling the peace right now because I'm losing sight of what this time is all about. God, remind me that it's okay if the family gathering doesn't happen perfectly, the meal doesn't go perfectly, I don't get the perfect gift, I don't get all the gifts, it's okay. Remind me of that. Because I have the gift in you. And through that prayer, remind yourself of what the angel told Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. God hears it. God knows. What if this year, Christmas was different? We know it's going to be. But what if we intentionally focused on Christ, on God, on the gift, and made Christmas different in the best way? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that so many times we have gotten overwhelmed and distracted and stressed and rushed and pressured into all the frenzy and busyness of this time of year, and it's self-inflicted. We have traded those things for the good things. 
Lord, how great it is that you send us a hype man to get our energy level back, to get our focus back, to keep it locked solid and laser focused on you. Lord, um, help us over the coming weeks that we not just hear your word, but hear the words of John the Baptist to repent and help him so that he can make our hearts smooth and ready to hear you and receive you this Christmas. Lord, as we go out from this place and we know all the advertisements and the commercials and the pings and the dings and the rings that are going to hit our cell phones, Lord, I ask you to help us prioritize those things in the right ways. That we can enjoy those things, but enjoy them from the perspective that we know what this season is all about. Maybe even use those things and leverage those things to elevate you as the reason for this time of year. Keep us focused on you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.